Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. So my guest today is Karen Massey, a child speech therapist who now works privately for All About Speech Therapy. Karen has over 14 years experience working with children, many of whom have special educational needs to develop their speech and language. She has published two books covering autism and apraxia of speech, as well as communication in Down syndrome at primary school. She set up an independent practice to closely support families, and she was asked to speak to audiences, including the recent Kids to Adults exhibition. So with her wealth of knowledge, I know that this is going to be a really valuable episode for you. It was helpful for me having children at three and five years old when language is something that they're still developing. So Karen, welcome to the Teachers Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. So I'm excited to talk all things sensory input. So first off then, can you just explain, you know, all about what speech therapy actually is and and what you do? Absolutely. So speech therapy covers so many different areas from being able to attend and listen, first and foremost, what others are saying um, and look at what they're doing, um, through to processing and understanding what it is that others are saying, um, learning lots of new vocabulary, and then starting to use all that information, all that language yourself to put sentences together for lots and lots of different reasons and finally um how you actually speak so pronunciation um and making yourself intelligible to others um and lots and lots of other things as well yeah okay so how how do you teach it then so you can teach speech so I come right in at the end and I jump straight onto that speech bit that pronunciation bit and that actually like the output and um you can teach it in lots of different ways and typically you would start by using the auditory channel so you're just going to be talking to the child and you what you're hoping that they're processing and they're able to imitate you so if I wanted to teach you to say the sound duh I'd get in front of you but I'd just say right can you copy me Claire duh have a listen that's it right yeah duh brilliant well done and that's one way of doing it and it's really it's great if it works um but if it doesn't then we need to add in our visual channel so we um need to help a child to actually see what's going on when we're talking and for that I might get uh, face to face and might sit side by side in front of a mirror and might use pictures and lots of other things to help them to see what to do because it gives them extra clues mm-hmm. and then sometimes that doesn't work either and that's when the multi-sensory approach really comes in and that is what I like to um, do so for children who are still struggling and they need that extra help I will use more tactile support so hands-on helping them to actually feel what they're doing and feel wow. their own speech 
I love this. This is so interesting. Thank you. And I, and I, lo- I, I love being the child as well. So <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> um, okay. So why is it important then that teachers are more familiar? And it's, it's so interesting because I've got um, a, a daughter who's three in nursery class at school and mm-hmm. a daughter who's in year one. So I'm like, oh my word, this kind of feels like this could be familiar for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but why is it important that teachers are more familiar with these techniques on developing speech and language? Because we know we know about phonics, don't we? Yeah. But, but what about speech and language? Yeah, I think because it's not as uncommon um, for children to struggle, um, as you might think, you know, we, we say roughly one in 10 children are going to experience some kind of speech, language and communication difficulty. Um, and for some children that will persist. And it's the children where it persists and it goes on into year one, for example, where um, all the other children are doing absolutely fine um, and the listening and the looking is working perfectly. Um, that's when it's really important that teachers are aware that there are other other approaches there are other things they can do um, I actually learned about this from a specialist teacher who was um, seeing a child for dyslexia and she was doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things with this child um, that were very physical and hands-on um, because the child wasn't able to start learning her letters and she couldn't write um, write things down yet and things weren't sinking in. And the teacher actually explained to me that all she was doing is she was adding in a different sense to her teaching. And I was like, oh, wow, it was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. Mm. And it was fascinating. And then when I went on some training as a speech therapist about sensory input for speech, um, I was really, really pleased that I had this extra tool in my toolkit. So it is important in school because we know that children learn in different ways, have different ways of accessing information. And lots of children don't just sit there and listen and, and sit perfectly still. They actually... Um, really come alive and learn their best when things are hands-on and practical so it's making speech therapy also practical it's not about getting given a program of uh, paperwork um, that you've got to sit and kind of work through with a child who is craving that can I touch it though can you can you help me feel what to do um and it's also important that teachers are aware that there are approaches like this because it's not something that all of your speech and language therapists will come in and do um so my passion is really to spread the word and let people know that there are alternatives there are extra things that we can be doing to help these children yeah yeah there are are absolutely different ways to learn aren't they because I remember Mm -hmm. um it was quite a long time ago now but I actually did my BSL level one and the teacher was deaf but he'd actually um he'd had meningitis when he was 18 months so he did have experience of sounds because obviously it's different isn't it and um he talked around some of the some of the different ways that they could learn sort of how to form the mouth and there was a lot of touching the throat going on as well and I think um yeah it could be useful for every child couldn't it how many children on average you know do have um a difficulty relating to speech or language so at the moment the the statistics kind of say one in ten um that's like a ballpark figure um and it and you know and they might be affected in different different kinds of areas of speech and language um but you know if you think about most classrooms 
um, you're going to have two or three children in the class who are going to be experiencing kind of difficulties in the earlier years. Yeah. So I suppose really like a, a whole class approach is just helpful for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's nothing about multisensory input for speech that is um, detrimental to learning. So everybody can benefit from it. Um, at absolute worst, it just adds more fun to the input. Um, yeah. So that's not a yeah. bad worst. <laughs> no, no, I love that. I love that. So why are you so passionate then about improving speech and language You know, yeah. in pupils? I'm really passionate because the kind of children that I get to meet are the children where it's not worked so far. So it's affected their confidence. Um, they've got to a point where they've got all the ideas in their brain. They've got loads of fantastic things that they want to say um, but they're getting really disheartened and everybody around them is getting disheartened and I think if I can do something that is going to improve not just their speech superficially I'm going to help their speech but if I can do something that is going to then suddenly change the way they feel about themselves improve their confidence mm. the way that they connect with others how they're perceived for me that is um, just something that's amazing and I, I don't I don't think I can find something else that would replace that feeling. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's important for them to know that they don't need to give up hope and that there's still another chance to help them. Yeah. So do you just go into schools and work with children like when a school needs support or do you actually teach teachers how to um, do it for themselves as well? Yeah, so I've, I've done um, bits of both, really. So I've started off um, very hands-on, um, given that I'm talking about practical hands-on approaches. I think it's important to mention that I've, I've got years of actually being there. in the, I've been in, in the classroom, in schools, um, with children or in their home, and I've worked directly with them and I've built up um, a lot of the experience to be able to see what's worked and what hasn't worked. Um and so I still do an element of that. And I've got a small team of people now who are working alongside me, which is exciting. So we can reach more children in that way. Um, but I'm also passionate about, like I say, spreading the word and helping others to understand it. Um, because obviously that's going to reach and help more children. So now I'm more about um, writing down what it is that I'm doing and sharing the, the positive stories and the outcomes um, and also delivering training for others to access. Fantastic. Okay, so you're a teacher right now and, and you're listening and you're thinking, oh my word, this is really helpful. How do I, how do I find out some more about this? How can I follow uh, Karen? What do I need to do? Um, you know, what are some actionable steps that you can share with a teacher right now that would really help them move things on in their classroom? Um, so come and reach out to us. So we're all about speech therapy. So if you're, whatever platform you're using, um, if you were to type in all about speech therapy, um, that's who we are. Um, and I would say that other things that you can do um as, apart from obviously come and connect and find out more about what we do and let's have the conversations um especially if you're working with younger children um a really simple way of getting things hands-on is getting a pot, pot of bubbles 
Um, because a pot of bubbles is really versatile for helping with lots and lots of different sounds um, and see what your children can do. So if you pop bubbles on their lips, what happens? What sounds can they make with their lips? Um, can they blow bubbles? Because you'd be surprised at the number of children who really struggle with that activity. Mm. Um, and it is, believe it or not, is connected to certain speech sounds that, that we might need to make, like ooh and whirr and shh sounds, different sounds that where we, we need to move our lips in different shapes. Um, even down to snack time, things that you can do to support the mouth muscles to get them um, more prepared. Um, you can play around with how they have drinks. So can they drink with open cups? What do they do when you give them a straw? Do they chew down on the straw or can they use their lips really nicely to, to suck up that liquid? Um, so different things that are very, very practical um, that you could introduce in the classroom and just see how many children in your class are able to do these things and which ones struggle. And also then obviously come and reach out to us on social media all about speech therapy. Um, and we'd love to share more with you. I love that. Thank you. Um, obviously, so before these um, chats that we have, we always um, kind of exchange some notes. So I've got a question. So say, for example, you've got um, a child who is quite unclear with their speech. Um, in fact, actually, my daughter's language is really, really good. She's three, but you've got to tune into her. Um, I mean, she's three. It, it, it's common at three absolutely um, but question then how do you respond to children or how should you respond to children when the speech is quite unclear so it's really helpful that you try and respond to what they're saying the content um, if you can understand them overlook the fact that there might be some speech errors in there try and respond to what they're saying because that is the message that they're wanting to convey to you and try not to get too hung up on how they're actually saying it so um you know yes they might have some some errors in their speech but can you understand the content and if you can respond to them in a positive way um if you can't understand them it's okay to say oh um, you know, I didn't quite catch that. And there's things that they can do that might help you. So you could ask them, can you, do you mind saying that again? You could try and put the emphasis on you as the listener, being the one that needs a bit of help rather than them as the talker. So, oh, I don't think my ears are working quite quite well enough today. Um, you might need to say that again, or can you say it louder or... Um, can you say that bit more slowly? Perhaps you can pick out a certain word that you need help with and ask them just to say that word again. Um, and if they are still struggling or you're struggling to understand them, putting it on you as the listener, um, ask them to show you. Can you show me what you're saying as opposed to just telling me? Because there might be other clues in the environment that they could use to help you get the message. Yeah, yeah. Um this is really interesting. So when my eldest was um, in nursery, what I noticed was in, in nursery and reception classes, really, she went through this period of self-correction. Um, and over time, obviously, the words became more clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that's probably happening with my three-year-old. I've just maybe not noticed. Um, but, you know, is there a point where if a child hasn't started that self-correction that you should do something and what should you do at that point? Um, so it's 
it's very variable on the situation like each child's situation and um who is also in that situation with them whether it's a parent whether it's a teacher teaching assistant somebody who's who's spends a lot of time with them and whether or not it's causing a breakdown um I'd say to any parent out there who um is thinking that they're starting to get a bit anxious or a bit worried about their child's speech it's never too early to raise it and put your thoughts out there and speak to someone else and share your concerns um it might be that having a conversation with someone um like a teacher um or you know a health visitor or somebody who um knows a little bit more about communication it might be that that one conversation is enough to reassure you and put your mind at rest but if it isn't it's better to do something about it um speech therapy is not harmful for children you know they might not necessarily want it that's okay we don't all have to enjoy it (laughs) um although we try and make it fun um but I'd say definitely act on those those gut feelings, um, you know, because it's better to talk to somebody than than to push it push it to one side. It probably won't go away. Um, often children when they're in school, um, in, in school education, that kind of four or five year olds will be a lot more aware of each other's speech and mm. tune into their fr- you know when they're making friends they'll tune into how others are talking and often over that reception year in school a lot of speech errors will resolve and um, mm. that's when a lot of that self-correction does kick in um and so a child who's got unclear speech at the beginning of that reception year by the end of it is very likely to be resolving a lot of their speech difficulties so I'd say if they're going into year one and their speech is still really quite unclear um then they're probably going to need direct therapy um that's when it would be really beneficial and they're likely to be aware enough um and also motivated enough to really take part um and engage in therapy so that it is quite quick yeah yeah I love that because it's difficult isn't it because we we talk about this but really all children are going through this so then it can be hard to identify so I think that's really helpful um to know like when do we need to 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 think about it more fantastic so um we know that you um are online are you are you on twitter or anything tell us tell me about your books yeah so it actually it kind of started with my books I mean I've been working as a child speech therapist for a number of years um but when I got to the point where I really wanted to branch out and share with others and let people know what what else they can be doing it started by writing a book um my first book is all about autism and childhood apraxia of speech which is a bit of a mouthful here in the UK we tend to call it verbal dyspraxia and it's about when the brain knows exactly what you want to say but the message gets lost in translation down to the mouth and the muscles get not coordinated and so a child can be really unclear um and that's based on a child who I had gone on a journey with and I'd helped go from being completely non-verbal through to speaking in in sentences clearly so um that was the inspiration behind it there are a lot of other case studies in the book and that was published 
two and oh, almost two and a half years ago now. Um, and after that, I wanted to keep writing. You get the writing bug once you start. So my yeah. second book is all about helping children to speak clearly in primary school when they've got Down syndrome, because we know that typically children with Down syndrome will have a, a certain profile with their speech, language and communication needs. So that book is intended to help parents and teachers um, to kind of know roughly what ideas and techniques to be using at different stages within primary school and I've got a couple more on the go but um wow. I won't say too much more about those because if you do join join me on on the social uh social platforms um then you will be hearing about them later this year um but we're on twitter instagram facebook youtube linkedin you name it we're there um passionate about spreading the word Super, thank you. And we'll make sure those are in the show notes, so so make sure that I have them then. Um, but yeah, Karen, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such an interesting chat. Thank you so much, Claire. It's been fabulous joining you and speaking to you all this morning. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.